Every team, every topic, everywhere. This is Believe. Hello, everyone. Welcome back to Believe in UCLA, the UCLA sports podcast on the Believe Podcast Network. My name is Sam Conan, and I am joined once again by my co-host, Travis Reed. Travis, how's it going, man? It's going pretty good, Sam. It's going pretty good. Nice. Good to hear. Good to hear. Uh, so, we've got a few topics to talk about today. Uh, UCLA men's basketball just got its uh, Pac-12 schedule announced, partially with the, the weekend pairings that the conference announced. Um, so, that w- we can touch on that, some expectations, where they're going, who they're playing, just kind of breaking all that down. Uh, UCLA football is still getting going in fall camp almost halfway through. I think they're uh, eight sessions out of 16. So, yeah, only a couple more weeks until the season starts. So we'll touch on that and also some uh, recruiting storylines for UCLA football that uh, don't look so pretty. I think uh, <laughs> we we can break that down a little more in depth when we get there. Um, but, yeah, so if you are UCLA fan, interested in UCLA sports, Pac-12 fan, whatever it is, Big 10 fan now looking to dip your toes into a new market. Uh, make sure to like, follow, subscribe, turn on notifications, all that fun stuff on Spotify, Apple, Google, wherever you're listening to podcasts, we're there. We really appreciate you guys listening. Bet online is the fastest and easiest way to wager on all your favorite sports, contests, and events with first to market odds and lines. Find reviews and news for every league, including Major League Baseball, NFL, NBA, NHL, combat sports, esports, and even golf. BetOnline continues to be the top online resource for all your sports betting information, from live in-game betting, props, and futures. Head to BetOnline today or use your mobile device to join today and make your first sports bet. Use our promo code BELIEVE50, that's B-L-E-A-V-5-0, to earn your 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit. BetOnline, where the game starts. So, Travis, I, I just want to start off quickly because you were telling me you're just coming from campus now. Uh, you, you were there this afternoon uh, watching some, some of the Heinz runs on campus. Saw, saw some big names, big faces. W- what was that like? Who'd you see out there? Well, you know, I would say this. I saw uh, Trey Young. He was up there. Um, Pascal Siakam. He's actually, he actually trains with my boy Rico Hines uh, every day up there. Uh, all day so it was I saw some clippers up there um you know I saw new draftees uh and the best thing I saw I saw new draftees who just got drafted from Gonzaga not Chet but the other guy who got drafted uh mm-hmm. second round number 31 pick so like you know it was a lot of guys up there the main thing main people I saw I, I wanted to see was the UCLA they had a UCLA like six where they just kind of rotated yeah. Uh, you know, and I saw obviously the number one, number one recruiter, number one recruit, I'm sorry, in the country, number one, uh, you know, guard. He was up uh, there. Yeah. Mari Bailey was there. Mario Bailey, the other McDonald's all American play. Uh, Oh, was, was Bona there too? The big man? Yeah. Yeah. Oh, wow. Yeah. yeah they nice. both played along nice. with Jaime. Uh, and what is the kid's name from Riverside? Was it Clark? 
Yes, Jalen Clark? Yes, yeah. yes, yeah. They all was up there along with the shooter, number 34. Um, yep, Singleton. I was, yep. was no uh, – was uh, Abram Ozanka there yet? I wonder if he's on campus yet. I don't think so. It wasn't no. – no. Okay. No, 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 no. no, no. But okay. They, yeah, they have – Maybe, maybe have... he'll show up later in the week. <laughs> we'll see. <laughs> we'll see. I mean, this week is the last week if you want to catch those Hines runs at UCLA. Uh, yeah, I think the time varies. They're, they're big names, historic, past, what, almost two decades now? That, it was he's, 26 he's years ago when, when when we played. When I played up there in 1997, that was 26 years ago, you know? Yeah. And so, yeah, it's been going on forever at UCLA. And, like, you, you'll you see, I think I was told that Steph Curry is going to be there tomorrow, you know? Oh boy. And Steph, Steph yeah, Curry. So, maybe, so we're you know recording that. this on Monday for, for anyone who's listening. Uh, so <laughs> Tuesday, go to the Student Activity Center at UCLA, camp out. Maybe hang around John Wooden Center, just uh, scope things out. I remember, I think it was my my freshman year, heading into my freshman year at UCLA. Going, I was at orientation in or around now, it was like early August or something, and LeBron was on campus. Like my first day on campus, I'm like oh geez, people taking <laughs> pictures of Zach Levine and stuff. It's always fun just to star watch with those guys because uh, obviously it's tough to get in the building, but. If not, if you're just camping out, waiting for pictures, and that's that's always fun too. There's a lot of names there, and no, it's, no. it's a cool spot. Yep, no, it's one of the like the legendary places in of basketball because I remember when I played, when I first played, you know, Kobe was up there up there playing, Shaq yeah. was up there playing, all the Clippers, uh, all the draftees, Mike, you know, Magic Johnson was still playing, Michael Finley, Jim Jackson. <laughs> all the NBA All-Stars were playing like every day. So you got a chance to go against NBA All-Stars every day. Um, and so like I was like, man, this is this is crazy. Like I get I'm going against Kobe. I'm guarding Kobe. God rest his <laughs> soul. Like, I'm like, really, you know, and it and so like I love the fact that UCLA does that and gives you and they put UCLA all, players all on the same team. And they looked good. They won some games. They lost, you know, a game or two, but they won some games. And what I have seen is I, I, Jaime is a pro. He's ready. I think he's took that next step, you know, and I, 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 I imagine in him from his sophomore year to now, you can tell he's matured. His game is, is, is great. Now, if he can stay healthy, I think he could be player of the year in the Pac-10, Pac Pac-12, sorry. Um, and I think, like I said, they have a good five, you know, and Tiger wasn't even there. So, Mm-hmm. Yeah, t- Tiger to that mix. I think they they are going to be a force this year in the Pac-12. Um, they have an opportunity to make some noise. I don't know how far they're going to go in the tournament because that's kind of more luck and in, in, in kind of like healthiness and yeah. things like that, you know, and draw. But I think they're going to have a great year this year. I don't think the Pac-12 is that good. I think the Pac-12 lost a lot of players last year, and I think UCLA should be on top. Yeah, I think agreed. They'll they'll enter the season as the preseason favorite for the third year in a row. That's that's going to be big. Uh, before we fully move on to that, because they have a lot of their schedule uh, kind of in stone at this point. Travis, what do you think of Amari Bailey? Because we've seen all, a bunch of those guys already play for UCLA. We saw mm-hmm. Dembona overseas in the FIBA stuff. He was playing great there, but Amari mm-hmm. Bailey is probably the biggest question mark i mean he's number one number two number three recruit in the country but someone who was a little banged up his senior year before that was covid so 
haven't seen too much from him in, compared to these other guys. What did you see from him today? Well, what I what I liked and what I really liked and why you know what I saw from him today is that he was finishing in traffic, getting bumped. You see, like if you want to be able to make and ones or get to the basket in college at high level or the NBA, you have to be able to finish with contact. Like you can't. The only person I've ever seen that can dipsy do skips, skips, skip and hoop and is Kyrie Irving. He's the probably the greatest finisher <laughs> under the basket I've ever seen for a guy who really doesn't dunk. Uh, it's Kyrie Irving. Now he can scoop shot, you know, scoop and do all this stuff and evade contact and make lips. I think with Amar uh, Mayor's like um, he's going to have to be able to get bumped, still finish around the basket with his left and right hand. Um, once once you play against athletic teams, because it's weird. When I was out there today, I realized like these NBA guys are humongous. They don't look that tall <laughs> on TV, but everybody's like 6'10", 6'11". I'm like, golly. Yeah, and, so, like, and, and how tall are you? Were you six? I'm like, yeah, six, seven, six, eight with shoes on. I'm like, yeah, I'm looking at Siakam <laughs> like, like my, I'm looking up to him, right? <laughs> the only person I'm like eye to eye with kind of is Jaime, you know? Yeah. <laughs> or I'm maybe a little bit tall like me. And it was like, you no, know, this, you know, so I was like, God, lady, these guys are humongous. They're skinny, <laughs> but they're tall. Um, So like I said, I, I, I liked him here because he was finishing around the basket and one in. Uh, you, you know, I didn't see him finish like dunks wise. You know, I don't know how his explosiveness is, but he was finishing, you know, layups around the basket with contact. And like, that's a good sign. It's a yeah. good sign, you know, for him because he's that's what he's going to have to do. Jules Bernard was kind of that last year for, uh, for UCLA. You know, he would, you know, obviously he would shoot jumpers, but he would also get to the lane, penetrate, create all that kind of stuff and finish around the basket. I think, you know, for UCLA to be successful, it's going to be it's going to take more than Jaime. And obviously, like you said, Amir is the number one, number two, number three recruit in the country. He has to be that for them for UCLA to be successful this year. Yeah, I think it's really important to see him finishing through contact because yes. you watch recruits finish through contact at like the Nike EYBL and in high school, and they're not really going against the biggest best athletes all the time you know sometimes they are but at the very least it's not the best defense but if you see him doing that kind of thing against nba players that's for real that's that's legit so i think i don't know my expectation for him you you would like for him to have alonzo ball level impact but that's just such a high bar i don't think he's doing doing that i kind of think that he can be kind of uh jalen hands not his freshman year, because Jalen Hands is a five-star point guard coming in oh, 2017. Yeah, I remember. But, that. And then, remember that. and then his second year. So I think he's still made like all Pac-12 freshman. He was okay his freshman year. Started half the games. The year after that, though, every day he started every single game. Uh, he averaged like 14 and six. He was all Pac-12 as a sophomore. So numbers-wise, I don't know if Amari Bailey can get that many assists just because Tiger will be running a lot of point. Yeah. Um, but in terms of impact. I feel like I can see Amari Bailey as a freshman being Jalen Hands as a sophomore. Maybe that kind of that style, that kind of impact. But let's roll right into the schedule for UCLA men's basketball. Mm-hmm. Uh, on I think it was August fifth, where the non-conference schedule was released, and we knew some of those ahead of time. The smaller ones and were were newer, so we, we know those. And now today, we're recording this on the fifteenth, 
uh, they released the pairings. So let's just run through this quickly, and then we can talk about strength of schedule, wins and losses, where they lie. So UCLA will open the season with an exhibition at home against Concordia on November 2nd. And then November 7th, they're playing Sacramento State. November 11th, Long Beach State. November 14th, Norfolk State. Those are all at home. Uh, all pretty winnable, <laughs> you would hope, games. Uh, and then they get into some tougher matchups. November 18th, they're playing Illinois in Las Vegas. And mm. Illinois is a couple big 10 championships the past couple of years, whether that's tournament or regular season there. They're legit. And then that Sunday on November 20th, they're going to play either Baylor or UVA, depending on how it goes in the first game. So those are two recent national champions right there. That's that's a big matchup, whoever they end up playing. Then November 23rd, they got Pepperdine. November 27th, Bellarmine. Uh, so another couple easy wins there. Mm-hmm. December 1st, they get the early Pac-12 game starting then. They're, they're playing Stanford uh on the road and then december 4th they're playing at home against oregon and then they stay at home play denver december 10th then they go to maryland on december 14th and then they go up to madison square garden and play kentucky there on december 17th and then uc davis on december 21st back at poly and that wraps up the non-conference so yeah it's it's pretty typical for ucl you have some local schools some schools with connections to coaches and schedule those, get those out of the way. And then you have a couple of headliners. You got Kentucky, Maryland, Illinois, and either Baylor or UVA. So it's a pretty good non-conference schedule in terms of difficulty. There, there are, there's going to be four, what is it, four games that are pretty tough and will be good to watch. I think at the very least. No, I agree with you hundred percent. I think uh, obviously the showcase game will be UCLA and Kentucky. Mm-hmm. Um, because they're the two blue bloods, you know, programs, and they've met recently. Um, yeah, they've been meeting a lot since what was that 2015, 2016 when they started yeah. playing non conference mm-hmm. a lot. Mm-hmm. The past mm-hmm. like six, seven years, it's been pretty constant. <laughs> they know obviously Lonzo and them beat them in Kentucky, and then they end up losing them in his Sweet 16. Yeah, then the know, year they... before that was the Prince Ali dunk that blew yeah, up. Yeah, that. <laughs> beat the number one team in the country, Kentucky. Yeah. Um, you know, like obviously they got blown out in 2016 by that ridiculous Kentucky team. Yeah. Um, you know, so like I said, they they played them a lot recently. Uh, I love the fact that they're playing like a tough non-conference in a way. Um, it's the only way you're gonna know where you're you're going is know where you're at. You know, like I'm glad they're not just going to Cupcake City. Um, even in, you know, even in the non-conference games, like I said, like the Long Beach State game is kind of a tricky game. They should win it, don't get me wrong. But Long Beach State should have went to the tournament last year. So, um, Completely tricky. unbiased, too. Yeah. From your point. <laughs> <laughs> you know what I'm saying? But, um, yeah, I, like I said, I love their schedule. Um, they travel. It seems like they travel a little bit this year, even though they have yeah, a lot they of got, games. They got Vegas, Maryland, and New York. Other three yeah. stops. Mm-hmm. So, so you and know, that, like, that Maryland, New York thing is in one trip. So they'll go to Maryland, they'll, they'll play at Maryland, and then they'll play Kentucky neutral site at MSG. Yeah. So that that yeah. weekend, it was at the 14th. Yeah. From, from Wednesday to Saturday, that stretch right there is going to be tough travel, but really interesting. Uh, something that almost kind of emulates a tournament environment. You play two 
power five high major teams in a couple of days on the road, neutral site. So that'll be really important to see how they do there. No, definitely. Now I would love to see them against a Baylor just in, just for me, because like, I think Baylor's so athletic and big and like physical kind of team. Virginia is a physical team, but they don't necessarily have the skill of a Baylor. Um, but yeah, I would love to see what they would do against like a Baylor and see how I, they would play. I think the most important thing about that game, why? Cause I agree. I also want to see them play Baylor. Uh, and it doesn't really have anything to do with like the coaching styles, play styles, who's on the roster, who's not turnover, NBA draft prospects, whatever. It's mostly just if UCLA had beat Gonzaga in that final four last year in 2021, <laughs> That, and and they almost did. They came a Johnny Juzang charge away from winning it in that half-court buzzer beater from Suggs that won it for Gonzaga. If UCLA had pulled off that upset and gone to the championship, they're going to be playing Baylor. So, I mean, <laughs> at this point, most of the guys on that Baylor team are gone. Half, yeah. half the contributors from that UCLA Final Four team are gone. But just for old time's sake to see the what if kind of come to fruition <laughs> like you finally get a crack at him you almost did in the finals but right. uh not not didn't happen then maybe it can happen now no no it, it will see i think you know he's the program of baylor's you know they lost obviously pretty much mostly all the team from that championship team but like they still have talented players come in and they still have you know players that are still there so he's running a good great program there yeah but, scott drew is one of the is one of the best coaches in the country who isn't a big name. Yes. Because you, you have your, your Bennett's and your, I mean, you had coach K and Roy Williams and you guys saw Izzo and Cal Parry and Bayheim and all these guys who are their whole other persona and have been around for 20 years and even Bill self guys like that. Uh, Scott Drew's just a really good coach. who's put together a really good program. And let me tell you this. He started that program with the greatest amount of terribleness. Remember, like he's he came to that program when they had the scandal where the one teammate killed another teammate and had to went to prison for it, you know, uh for like 20 years or whatever the case is, you know, that whole big old scandal. And then the football team didn't help him with their scandal, uh, with all, what was going on with the football team. So yeah, he's made that into a national powerhouse. Along, obviously, with the women, they've been a national powerhouse, but he's made them a national powerhouse a month scandal. That's even harder. So, uh, like I said, you know, it would be interesting to see what UCLA is about. They did play them, but yeah, they honestly, out of the, because I, I think it was, how many games was it preseason? Was it 13? Yeah, something like that. I think, you know, I think they should go 11 and two. Let's just say they, they lose, you know, maybe to Baylor and they lose to Kentucky, but I think they should be eleven and two. Yeah, like you, you beat Maryland, you go one yeah. and one in Vegas and yeah. lose to Kentucky. Like that, that's the, those are your two losses, and you beat everyone mm. else. Yeah. But at the same time, yeah. you're probably going to be rated ranked just as high or higher than all those high major teams. I, I, I'll take a look at the way too early top twenty fives and stuff, but no one in that group is a tier above you really. Um, so th- no, it'll be no, interesting. There's a chance that it's like that Lonzo ball year where they go through and they're undefeated in non-conference play. So not to say they're, this team is as good as that team, but just the way the schedule is, has come together. They could, yeah. 
that's that's a possibility. No, uh, no, I, definitely, definitely a possibility with their talent and what they have. Um, I wanted to go back. I know you said uh, Mark, Mark could be like you said, you know, hands, uh, uh, hands his sophomore year, like 14 and six. Yeah. That's on the, like, that's like bottom floor, right? High end, he can be Russell Westbrook sophomore year. I feel you know? like that's more the Jalen Clark role, like the spark plug, <laughs> like nasty, powerful dude. I, I that's where I see him. Okay, uh, but okay. but yeah, I can. There, there's a lot of talent on this team, and a lot of variance in what their production will be. Like mm-hmm. Jalen Clark could be great, or he could be the same, who just kind of shows up for a couple of games, and other than that, it's just a bench contributor. Mari Bailey could be the next Lonzo Ball, or he could be the next Jalen Hands, who is just okay his freshman year. So. Mm-hmm. Yeah, there's there's a lot of places that that this team could go. Definitely, um, definitely. Yeah, so let's move on. Look at conference schedule, which just came out uh, this morning or afternoon, whenever it was. Uh, so they have the Stanford and Oregon games early on, and then they start things off at Washington, at Washington State. Then they mm-hmm. return home and host USC. They stay at home, play Colorado and Utah. And then they go on the road and play Arizona, Arizona State. They wrap up January at USC. So the interesting thing there is you have the two USC games three games apart, or sorry, three weeks apart. And you don't usually you finish the season against USC, whether it's whether it's at Paul or Galen. So you're not gonna see USC after January unless you see him again in the Pac-12 tournament. So that's definitely an interesting note there. Uh February. You're hosting Washington and Washington State, and then you go on the road to play Oregon and Oregon State. Then you host Cal and Stanford, and then you play Colorado and Utah on the road, <clears throat> and then you close things out by hosting Arizona and Arizona State. And which, that's why. That's why. Yeah, the that, Arizona, that should yeah, be yeah. The, the big headliner. Um, and oh. it's funny. I think usually the Arizona game comes first when, when yeah, they're at they, Poly. They go first poly, always in the Arizona. Yeah. Um, this year they flip so, Yeah. So this year, I, I think this year they'll try to make the regular season finale US, uh, sorry, UCLA, Arizona. Arizona mm-hmm. Because UCLA, Arizona State would be fine. And then you'd have USC, Arizona on the other side. Uh, uh, they're probably going to decide to make it UCLA, uh, Arizona as the, the headliner, the, yeah. the big season finale before oh, of course, they of go course. off to the tournament. So, uh, Travis, what do, what do you think of those games? How how they're kind of set to to fare? Any notes that you you had in your mind here in that? Yes, first, uh, first first month. Love the fact they play Arizona State first. Arizona Arizona State first. I love that. They've them them. I think they uh, start they start against the the Washington. No, no, no. The first I mean, team. I mean, like in the first month. They oh play yeah, in the yeah, first, yeah, yeah. First month, yeah. And I'm not, you know, I know they don't play them first, but I'm saying in the first month. So they play them early, mm-hmm, right? Mm-hmm. If I was them, I would circle that Arizona State game and like put a whooping the, on them. The Arizona, the Arizona State game. Air both. But I okay. mean Arizona, Arizona, that game is circled regardless. It doesn't really matter. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know what I'm saying? But the Arizona State game, it was on ESPN. They lost. They stormed the court. It was the biggest win of the quote-unquote Arizona State season. You know, basically saved Bobby Hurley's job. So, yeah, that game gets circled. 
Oh, you know what I'm saying? Um, yeah, that that road. You're gonna want to win down in Tempe after what happened yeah, last time. Yeah, was, you know what I'm saying? Two, two or three overtimes. Yeah, whatever. It was like ridiculous amount of overtimes. That game that was just circled. bad basketball last time. At the very <laughs> least, I want to see a better game. They both yeah. teams were awful. awful. They tough. were awful. Yeah, but yeah. Uh, that game gets circled. I love the fact that you play Arizona, Arizona, uh, Arizona uh, uh, early, and then you play them late. Um, yeah, the SC in three, you know, two games, like four days is always tough because SC plays UCLA tough all the time. Um, I love the fact that they play Arizona last. They're probably going to play Arizona last. Let me tell you why. Because Arizona, UCLA is a Channel 2 game. Arizona State, UCLA is probably a Fox West game. That's just the difference, <laughs> right? You know what I'm saying? Because I'm thinking UCLA will probably be ranked high. Arizona will be, probably be ranked. I don't know about high, but they'll be ranked. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so, like, you want to put those kind of big games to showcase the Pac-12 towards the end of the season. So, yeah, I'm excited for them. I, I, I love the schedule. It's not that brutal. Um, it's, a, you know, like I said, it's a mix of home and away. And I think that, like I said, like I love the fact that they, they kind of spread things out, you know. Only, only, like I said, I hate playing SC two times in a week. Um, other than that, no, I love the, you know, I love the games. It's uh, it's two times in January. I think it's separated by three weeks. Oh, so, oh three yeah, weeks. Yeah. Okay. So in those, the same month. Yeah, yeah. That's thirty-one games, I think, if I counted right, that they have this year. Yep. Off the top of your head. How do you think they finish the regular season? Because then they'll probably get a buy in the Pac-12 tournament and win the the quarter uh, yeah, win in the quarters and the semis and and at the very least get to the Pac-12 championship game. So add on another two wins there. How are you feeling for the number of wins they get to this season? <laughs> My dream is twenty nine and two, um, <laughs> <laughs> but let's just say they're twenty six and five. Okay. You know, yeah, or, I see. Or, I can see that. Yeah, because twenty-seven and say, four, twenty-six and five. Yeah, so. we gave them two non-conference losses of the four big games they split. They go two and two in, in those. Yeah, and then in conference play, you probably fifteen split, and three split with Arizona or yeah. seventeen and three now because you point. You seven, point yeah, oh yeah, 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 yeah. yeah so you split with Arizona, you split mm-hmm. with USC, and then mm-hmm. you lose one that you shouldn't, or maybe yes. one to Oregon. What did it, maybe it's like sixteen and four, seventeen and three. Yeah, uh, yeah. which at this point I think would would win you the Pac-12. Oh God, um, yes. I don't. I don't yeah, see anybody don't, having a better record. I don't see anybody. Having yeah, a better looking at this schedule and just kind of going through my mind where everyone is, there's not really someone who is. I, I think UCLA will be the favorite in every single game this season uh, in the Pac-12. Yes, least. maybe yes, yes. maybe at Arizona, maybe that changes. Just because the home road, UCLA's favorite at home and Arizona's favorite at home, depending on how things go the first time versus the second time. Um, but I don't have super high expectations for them this year. They they lost a bunch of talent from that team last year that was really good. Uh, and the, they'll be good. They'll be competitive. And uh, the, the way the program is trending, it's, it's going to be good in the long run. But yep. this specific season, I think UCLA is better and has the advantage in most categories. So, yeah. I, if if you had to put percentage chances on UCLA winning any game, that none of these are below fifty percent. I would say most of them are pretty high. I, I think they are looking pretty pretty all right with the schedule. 
Oh, no, I definitely, like I said, it, it, it's not a terrible, it's not a brutal schedule. It's not a brutal schedule at all. I felt like some years he, he had a brutal schedule, you know, where it's like, damn, they got to play this, 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 you know, and then, <laughs> yeah. you know. There, there was a lot of, uh, for non-conference, it was like, okay, you play your four or five Power Five teams, but then also you play UNLV and San Diego State. But there aren't really any of those Mountain West teams. They're like the mid-majors. It's a, it's a lot of low-majors yes. in the non-conference. So you have mm-hmm. your tough games and you have games where if you lose, that's a stain. It's not like it's, it's you can just overlook it like the San Diego State opener a few years ago. Um, but I, I think maybe Long Beach State's probably their best opponent outside of the those power, power Oh, teams. God, yes. Uh, yes. Yeah. Yes, they and, are. And then, not... <laughs> no, and then no. uh, yeah, and then Pac-12. Yeah, I mean, I don't know. Arizona will probably be ranked preseason. SC and Oregon will get votes, but yeah, no one's yeah, no one's really yeah, scared yeah. me. SC, yeah, SC will get votes, and like you know, if you notice, SC kind of plays cupcakes. Uh, yeah, they, their their non conference came out today, and it was rough. I think the only power conference team they're playing is Auburn, which yeah. is a good team. And then they're yeah, they're course, playing at they're playing. Uh, I guess they're playing two or three games, whatever it is, at uh, some some uh, preseason tournament. Which yeah, but they're he, he just looking at the lot. graphic was so. Rough. It's like oh my no, gosh, no, it, he he stacks up. If you notice, he stacks up a lot of wins. Uh, yeah. that, if you notice, like he's averaging twenty wins a season, whatever the case is, because he stacks up a lot of wins with his non conference. Yeah, I think uh, last year they were like sixteen and two. And they yeah. were like barely in the top 25 because everyone knew that that was such a yeah, record. yeah, exactly. You know, like when you stack, when you stack terrible, when you stack bad wins, you know, like a terrible conference preseason, like they don't respect that. And so if they would win, like say they played a much harder, tougher schedule and went like 10 and six, they would get more respect. They'd probably be ranked like you know, going 16 and two against all cupcakes and all playing them at home. Um, yeah, that's not, that don't really mean nothing. I don't, I don't test like what you are about, you know? I mean, UCLA is kind of falling into that category this year. Like where we're talking about no mid majors. I think it's good that these bigger games are spaced out. Yes. Like they have the Maryland and Kentucky games are right next to each other. And then the, um, they'll have the Illinois and the, whoever they play in the other one are right next to each other, but there's some space in between. It's a little bit of a cushion at the beginning of the year, a little bit of a cushion between them and then between start pack 12 play but yeah usc it's the the battle for atlantis i think is the main thing they're playing and yeah all their yeah, tough games yeah. are going to be in that one weekend <laughs> so they could get really screwed over by losing one and it, like by losing two of those and then mm-hmm, yeah mm-hmm. The, the, it's not looking good ucla maybe has a little bit more leeway with how it it's it's worked out schedule wise but they're in a similar boat. I, I'm not saying Nick Cronin's scared of competition or anything. Sometimes it's just how it shakes out. But uh, yeah. it will definitely be something to keep an eye on. Definitely, definitely. I think, he, you know, some of that's UCLA because they might have known, like, okay, we're probably going to lose some people. Uh, so let's not say the most brutal schedule. You know, like, at one point last year, I mean, obviously COVID happened. But, you know, you had to play Villanova and Marquette. And, you know, it was like, it was and and Gonzaga, Gonzaga. You know, like it was mm-hmm. some tough games. You know, like luckily for them is that the, the issue with the COVID thing, like things got shut down for a minute. But yeah, they, they were going to play North Carolina in there too. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. You know, North Carolina. So to me, they end up playing Kentucky. But yeah, I, 
to me, like this year is a little bit more, like I said, like more spaced out. Like I said, I feel like they can go 27 and four, you know, and be like a top two seed in the, in the, not only in the number one seed in the Pac 12, but a top two seed if they take care of what they need to take care of in the Pac 12 tournament as a number one seed overall. If you're 30 and four, you're top eight, you're top eight seed. So one or two for sure. Yeah, I think this is the team that gets to 30 wins because what we were talking about, the 27 and four regular season, plus you add on like two more wins in, in the Pac 12 tournament. If you win the Pac 12 tournament, that's 30. If you win an extra regular season game, that's 30 right there. So mm-hmm. it'll uh, definitely be something that's in the cards and something to keep an eye on. Let's yeah. uh let's move on and talk some UCLA football. I've been mm-hmm. at fall camp past uh week and a half, two weeks at this point, and mm-hmm. um just kind of it's not too much going on in all honesty. <laughs> it's a lot of because the, the way it's it's organized is the media gets there, well, gets to watch the first twenty minutes of a two hour practice. So it's not like spring camp where we could see the whole thing and look at scrimmages and and contact drills. It's a lot of special teams and uh, some individuals. Maybe you'll get a view on the other side of the field of someone making a good catch, um, but not too much there. So a lot of what the takeaways are is like, where's their depth? Where are they looking big? Where are they looking small? Who's over there? Who's injured? Um, a little worried about linebacker because Damien Sellers Still is not listed on the roster. Chip hasn't said much about him. Um, and then Alec Caho has still got a foot injury. There's a chance he could be out for the season, uh, according to some reports. So, and I think it was John John Vons, who's a dual sport guy, baseball player. Uh, he got a little dinged up at practice, and all the reporters are like, oh my gosh, their linebacker group is screwed. And he, he rejoined <laughs> drills, and he was fine that the rest of the day and the day after, but collective holding of everyone's breaths just kind of shows that <laughs> more loss at linebacker and you may, you may be done, you know, uh, mm-hmm. Mike Martinez mm-hmm. at tight end still haven't heard anything about him. Uh, that's, that's not great for the tight end group uh, because they don't have a lot of experienced contributors there. I, I still think that Hudson Habermel, former walk-on is someone who can come in and contribute like a Greg Dulcich did as a former walk-on. Um, mm-hmm. He's put on a lot of weight, looks more like a tight end than a receiver like he, like he used to and used to just look like a big, tall, skinny guy. And now he looks like a tight end. So that's good. Um, but yeah, not too many massive takeaways about who looks great. Who's a bust with the two, three weeks to go until the season. But uh, it's definitely good to be there. Boots on the ground. Just get a read of what's happening. No, that makes sense. Like right now, I know they don't want to show you anything because uh, mm-hmm. they don't want to show for their first game or whatever they're doing. Cause right now they're working on game plan. They're working on whoever they're playing first. Yeah. And Cause you in. really, really got to lock down to beat Bowling Green, you know? Yeah. You can't, can't. <laughs> <laughs> well, I'm, I'm not saying that, but you never know. I think, <laughs> no, no, uh, I, I know they, they do that no matter who it was. Yeah. 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 So you never know. I just think that like just coming off of like that first game, they're trying to establish, like you said, the depth of their team, like who's the starter, who's the off the bench, who's this, who's that, who's the second, third, fourth string. So right now it's competition and uh, we'll see what happens. I think, like I said, uh, they're getting ready for their first game. When it's two weeks away, like now it's like, it's really, it's getting real. Like it's, it's really real, yeah. you know? <laughs> and uh, I was like, Oh shoot. Like it's two weeks away. Let's go. 
Um, and so, like, I'm, you know, like, right now, they're just, like I said, as a former college player, like, before the season, like, basketball, I know it's different. But, like, two weeks before the, you know, like, first game, we were getting game plan. We were looking at teams, seeing what yeah. they had, their strengths, weaknesses, what they were last year, what they are, you know, think they might be this year. So that's what they're doing. Yeah, and and that that totally makes sense, and it's uh as much of a mystery as it may seem. I, I think that they know what they're doing in terms of game prep and practice. And Chip's been here for five years now. He's, he's a <laughs> head coach at Oregon. That was 14, 13 years ago at this point. NFL experience. He knows what he's doing in terms of getting those guys ready. Um, a couple other notes you know the the usa today coaches poll came out last week ucla was tied for 40th with 10 points and the ap poll came out today and they were tied for 43rd with two points i know uh adam grossbard from the oc register and john wilner from the mercury news uh both had ucla at 25 so it's an LA guy and a Pac-12 guy have UCLA 25. No one else has them on the ballot anywhere. <laughs> <laughs> so, you know, kind of expected, but also, you know, this team went eight and four last year. They'd return their quarterback and running back. So you think that'd give them a little bit of hype. The weird thing about it, though, is that a lot of the times you can get a preseason poll that comes out like this. You're like, oh, we'll prove them wrong. UCLA could start the year 4-0 and against Bowling Green, South Alabama, Alabama State, and Colorado. And it and wouldn't matter. Move. <laughs> like, <laughs> they could start four and, and then five and only play Washington is supposed to be all right. But at that point, they'd probably make it into the top 25. But you can have a power five, four and O team that went eight and four last year and not be ranked. So I guess we'll see like mid late September, how that turns out. Um, def- definitely something to keep an eye on though. Agreed. Agreed. I think uh, like because of their schedule, they're not going to get any breaks. You know, so they're not going to give them like, oh, they played this, 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 this. Like, it's going to be like, oh, okay, you're 5-0, so what? We'll give you 20. We'll give you next up, 27, yeah. 28. Yeah. Um, You know, but like I said, they you, UCLA, honestly, in real honesty, they should be 5-0 starting. Yeah. You know, like, first of all, against your Albie wins. They should not lose to any of these teams, even if they're playing their A-minus game, B game. Mm-hmm. Agreed. Uh, I think let's, before we go, let's wrap up with a little bit of recruiting stuff because I mean, being at UCLA practice and looking at different positions and, and where there's depth, where there isn't, they're going to lose a lot of guys at the end of this year. They already lost at the, I think they're somewhere in like the bottom 10 in terms of returning production among power five schools just because of losing Kyle Phillips and Greg Dulcich and Alec Anderson and Sean Ryan, Atito Agbonia, Quantrez Knight, <laughs> uh, Quentin Lake, uh, Jay Shaw, Mitchell Agude, Miles Jackson, uh, Caleb Johnson, all these major contributors, uh, Obi Ebo, Camp Johnson. Uh, just There's so many of them that are out the door. Uh, Chase Coda, Britton Brown, uh, Paul Gratton, where it's like, okay, you, you keep some veterans, but you lose a lot. Yeah. You're yeah. in a pretty good spot this year because your schedule and who you have returning. Yes. But at the end of this year, we, I mean, I've been on this rant a million times on Twitter, on this show. You're going to lose Charbonnet. You're going to lose DTR. You're going to lose Kaz Allen. You're going to lose Jake Bobo. You're going to lose Mafi and Gaines and Marazzo. 
um, and uh, who, whoever else is in there. Duke Clemens has eligibility left, but he's a senior. Maybe he graduates and leaves. Uh, Cam Brown could go. And then on the defensive side, uh, Stephen Blaylock, he's probably going to go. Darius Muasau and the Murphy twins are great, and they look good coming in as transfers. But if they have good seasons and all these other guys are leaving, maybe they go to the NFL too. Bo Calvert's going to be out of eligibility. Um, there, there are a lot of guys from last year's team who are left in the offseason, and there are going to be a lot more who leave this coming offseason. So what does that mean? Well, it means that UCLA is going to have to add a lot of bodies and scholarship guys and bring in replacements. And it seems like Chip Kelly is determined to do that ex- almost exclusively through the transfer portal. <laughs> because well, you look at their, their 2023 recruiting, they uh-huh. have six commits right now. Four-star running back Roger Robinson, I, I think, is their top-rated guy. And he's been committed since like Memorial Day in May. And he's still tweeting out, pictures and graphics from like Oregon and San Diego state being like, Oh, like, thanks for the happy birthday message. Thanks for congratulating me on my season opener. These teams are still recruiting him, even though he's committed to UCLA. So don't be a hundred percent locked in on, on him. I, he would be a great commit. And we talked about it at the time. That'd be a good ad. And he would fit in as the next running back in line here, but never know there. I think they've offered 55 guys. Maybe I think there are less than 20 of those guys left since Memorial Day. They've had 27, <laughs> 27 of their targets have committed and only two have committed to UCLA. Wow. So, I mean, just this last week, you had uh, Malachi Crawford committed to USC at the beginning of August. He was a UCLA commit last summer who decommitted and then was considering coming back to UCLA, but nope, went to SC. Uh, you had Jer- Jerry Mixon, the linebacker from San Francisco. He's Joe Mixon's cousin. Uh, if you look back in May after his official visit, and even up through the July, it, UCLA was the heavy, heavy favorite. Everyone just thought it was a matter of time. Well, he's going to Oregon. So there's mm-hmm. that. Uh, Raymond Polito, uh, offensive tackle, Apple Valley, kind of local, local guy. Uh, he was another guy where you talk about after his official in May, UCLA was the presumptive favorite. And even all through the summer, it's, oh, okay, they, they may be striking out on these other alignment, but at least they're going to get Polito. Nope, he commits to Alabama. And then on top of that, says it came down to Alabama and Oregon. So you weren't even in the top two. <laughs> so that's just, I mean, if you're a three-star offensive tackle and Alabama's pushing hard for you, I don't blame you for going there. So it's not no, an individual course. thing. On, on all these guys it's just collective failure on so many fronts <laughs> so many positions they're going to be out of their there are no more running back targets no more quarterback targets safeties are gone corners and, and receivers they have a couple guys left but o-line they're going to almost completely whiff they're not going to be able to add any young depth to this team that is losing so much talent for the second year in a row so the only way they can field a team is to go just post guys out of the transfer portal and there's that's so iffy i mean obviously the transfer portal is a much bigger deal than it used to be now that's immediate eligibility don't have to get the waivers you can transfer in conference all that kind of stuff so you can get guys there but just look at this year they wanted to add two tackles for for what it seemed like at least they got raekwon o'neill from Rutgers, and he seems to be doing all right at left tackle but they were going for months and asking for guys and looking for guys and even turning some lower 
tier guys away because they wanted to get a high level offensive tackle and just couldn't find one that fit. So how do you know that's not going to happen next year at quarterback and running back and receiver and defensive mm. end and all these things? You, you just don't know, which is why I, it baffles me that they're just completely ignoring high school recruiting. It makes me think that Chip is not building this for the long term. I think the, whether he leaves at the end of a successful season this year or does well this season, comes back next year, bolsters the roster with some transfers and just goes year by year. Either way, that's not great for your program. When you enter the Big Ten, when Chip leaves, whenever that may be, you're going to have an absolutely empty cupboard. So I, I just don't understand the the team-building philosophy. As, as much as I enjoy some of these transfers who are coming in, as important as they can be and as important as, important as that route can be to team-building, the amount of emphasis put on it over high school recruiting is baffling, and I, I don't know why the, the idea is that the staff is playing checker chess when everyone else is playing checkers, why they're three steps ahead of everyone. It just does not make sense to me. It's such a big risk. And I just, I don't, I don't see a way where it pays, pays off in the long term at all. Well, we, well, we, we, first, <laughs> I love your everything you just said about you know, <laughs> like it could pay off that. this year. They could do well this year. But yeah, that's yeah. what the transfers like filling in the stopgap guys who are good. But next year, well, your whole team's gonna have to be transfers. This, I just don't, I don't see it working. He, I don't think he thinks honestly. Chip thinks he's gonna be here long term. They gave him a three year extension. Really, it's like a year to year deal. Yeah, I think it like technically it was five. It was four. It was a five-year deal, uh, because it included the one year he had left, and there's no buyout the last two years. So yeah, like you said, it's it's a pretty wishy-washy extension. Yeah, like it's, it's it's not. A, I mean, what did I mean? Obviously, uh, Coach Messi got a ten-year deal, right? Yeah, Lincoln Riley. Lincoln Riley got a ten-year deal. Uh, dude from LSU got a ten-year deal. Um, mm-hmm. people are yeah, getting Kelly. sick. Yeah, the min- minimum six year deals, the six year extensions, or you know, or like the dude from Penn State got a six year or seven year extension, whatever it was. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, Stan, like people are getting these long term deals. So when they give a school gives you a three year deal, that basically telling you you're on a year to year basis. You know, like so he understands that. So he's like, why? Why am I going heavy recruiting when I'm not going to be there to have my recruits? So I he, need to go with guys. He said something like that last week dur- during one of the press conferences when we were talking to him, asking asking about how he values transfers as high school and the modern college football and everything. And he specifically said, I, I'll, I'll try to pull up the exact quote, but basically what he said was, we're no longer bringing in experimental guys out of high school saying, oh, maybe he can uh, yeah. contribute if we redshirt him and then play him five years from now. And he said we're not going to be here five years from now. So I don't know if he was using that generally as saying coaches shouldn't look five years ahead because it's about the present. Or if he was literally saying like, yeah, I don't care about the future. (laughs) I think it's a bit of both, whether intentional or not. He definitely played his hand in terms of saying, I do not care about building a program for the future. I will build year to year as long as I can. And as long as I want to. Look, do you think Lincoln Riley says that for SC with the 10-year deal? Do you think No, he has the Nick, number 13 recruiting class for 2023. UCLA has the number 82. 82. <laughs> so that's what I'm saying. What I'm saying is like coaches who know they're gonna be there, 
They're not going to say that because they know yeah. they, they're, they're like they know they're going to be there. He knows by the time they get to the Big Ten, Chip Kelly will not be the coach. He will be gone. Yes. Yeah. Either his contract runs out or he just, they will not renew his contract or he will just be, you know, outright gone already. Yeah. It's definitely so, it, a yeah. lot of turnover on the roster coming up. And then the coaching staff will not be far behind. They will, they will not be not. there. They will not be there. I promise people, like, I promise you, like, they will not, they will, when they move, they will have a new coach. Yeah. I think the, <laughs> The weirdest thing is the offensive line coach, uh, Tim Drevno, coming in. UCLA only had one offensive lineman commit last year, and Justin Fry's last year with the program. Sam Yoon's three-star local, pretty good ad, but only adding one offensive lineman wasn't great. They bring in Drevno, who used to be at SC, supposed to kind of kickstart recruiting. He gets a bunch of official visitors. He's one of Chip's guys, and and, and they have the connection. It's looking all right. And then I think he's 0 for 7 on offensive linemen. He's probably not, he's probably not even going to get one. Get some preferred lockdowns and stuff. But that just, just epitomizes bringing in all these like recycled, not-so-great coaches. You hope that that's not the case with McGovern and, and all these other guys who are coming in. Some of the other guys seem to have a little more juice and youth and energy to them, especially on the recruiting trail, like Ikeka Malloy and, and Ken Norton have seemed to be a little bit better on that front. But it's just not a good sign. And, and recruiting as a whole, there's so many people who are like, oh, why should I care about what what is going to happen next year or five years from now? I'm a fan. I want to see them win now. Like, I get that. But you could go 10 and 2 this season while recruiting high schoolers, or you can go 10 and 2 this season while not recruiting anyone and crossing your fingers for transfers next year. So, which one <laughs> would you rather have? I, I don't get why people are so content or apathetic or coping about this, trying to defend a, a strategy that really seems destined to fail right 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 no i think um no i definitely feel like yeah like if you're not recruiting for the it, college is a delicate balance because you need to win for now but also be ready for the future yeah you know so it's, tough. it's a tough situation for especially for college coaches but i, I you know jim you know, Chip Kelly knows that he is a lame duck coach. They just was like, okay, we, we're going to ride him out to the Big Ten starts, and then they're going to get another coach. Yeah. You know, like, I, I, that's what I think. So that's why he's like, that's why he said, like, we're not going to be five years. Because he knows he's not going to be here for five in five years. He knows the UCLA's not going to have him as a coach in five years. That's why he's like, I'm going to go year to year. And, like, whenever you guys fire me, you have all these D1 transfer protocol kids. And, you know? and they're all going to probably have graduating can transfer a second time or the NCAA at that point will allow it to transfer thing where you don't have to ask for a waiver and, and you'll have the very few freshmen that Chip and his staff brought in will transfer out and you'll be working with probably the thinnest, smallest. I don't want to say worse because maybe there are some top tier talent guys who stay around because it's LA and UCLA, but mm -hmm. you may have one of the worst rosters in college football in power five college football when Chip <laughs> decides to leave or is fired whatever it is unless you hire a home run guy who can do what lincoln riley did and kind of plug immediate holes with five-star guys and guys from where he came from before and top transfers and flip some other recruits out of high school or five stars which would be very tough and i don't really <laughs> see happening when chip goes this program is going to be in the gutter for a year 
and, yeah. and it would take a miracle to make to get him out of it faster, but who knows? I agree with you on that, Sam, 100%. 100%. It's going to take a little bit of time for them to get out of the gutter. Yeah. So with all that doom and gloom, uh, <laughs> can't wait for this 10 and two season, Travis. Can't let's, let's do it. 12 and 0. Let's go to the Pac 12 championship. Man. Yes. Yes. Final four, <laughs> national championship. Let's go. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Why not? Why not? <laughs> Why not? Why not? That will do it for this week's episode of Believe in UCLA presented by Bet Online. Uh, Travis, thank you so much for joining me again. And uh, where can people find you and your work online? No problem, Sam. And they can find me. You can find me on on Instagram at Travis W. Reed. That's at Travis W. Reed, R-E-E-D. Uh, also, Travis W. Reed on Facebook as well. I post all my social media stuff, whatever I'm going on, I have going on on both those platforms. You can also catch me on this uh, on the Believe Network with an athlete's journey. Uh, also on Spotify and Apple Podcasts, uh, just type it in Travis Reed and Athlete's Journey. Uh, you can you know find me on that. Also, if you are looking for me on YouTube, I do have that as well. Travis Reed, Athlete's Journey on YouTube. Sounds good. Check it out, and you can follow me on Twitter at Sam Condon, and you can head on over to AllBruins.com, the UCLA site on the Sports Illustrated and Fan Nation networks for even more UCLA content and follow us on Twitter at SI underscore all Bruins or on Facebook at SI dot all Bruins. So we appreciate you listening. Make sure to come back next week when we're going to be talking to all the headlines, football season, getting closer. We'll, we'll see what else news breaks. We'll see. I'm, I'm, I don't know, Travis, there might be something. Wink, wink. So make we sure to tune see. back we in see. and we'll see you next week. All right. Peace. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube.